morning, everybody. This is the Focus Peers podcast. Joan Baker is on the podcast today. She is the pioneer of ultrasound. I'm so excited to have you on, Joan. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your story on how you came to the U.S. and what brought you here. I'm Joan Baker. I came from England to the United States of America. I have a twin sister who lives in Luxembourg, and I have two brothers. My twin sister is an identical twin, and she is 30 minutes older than I am. I've never been allowed to forget it. But I studied in England, was born in Chester, and then studied in boarding school in Derbyshire. And from there, I went into radiography. The reason for that being that I wanted to go to medical school, and I failed my language other than English, which was French. So I failed my French, and therefore had to go to Plan B. Plan B was to go and study X-ray, which I did, and I did that locally at a branch local university and also Birkenhead General Hospital. It's a very small hospital, only 130 beds, and I was there training. From there, I went to London, and in London, I had some experiences that I think molded my personality, gave me strength to do certain things later on, which I have to give credit to those experiences. One of them was to handle the disaster in London at Paddington Railway Station. It was a very bad weather conditions and the train overran its buffers and went into the platform right when the people were getting off. And I was at St. Mary's Hospital in Paddington and many people were injured. None, I don't think seriously, I don't think anybody was killed, but a lot of serious accidents. And I could not find anybody to help me take the x-rays of all these people. And so I did it alone. And I think that changed my career. So then I came to the United States as a result of an invitation from Dr. Leslie Zatz that invitation was to do ultrasound at Stanford Medical Center. I was doing ultrasound in 1960. I started to do it at a National Hospital for Nervous Diseases in Queen Square in London. And it was experimental. I was not aware of anybody else doing ultrasound at the time. There was just a pockets of people doing it. And we didn't know one another. It's only afterwards that we found out about one another. I was doing it in the brain. Ian Donald was doing it in Glasgow, in OB. I did not know of that until quite a few years later, in fact, until I was in America. Very quickly after Dr. Zatz's letter, I arrived in Palo Alto. I think it took less than eight weeks me to emigrate from my homeland and come to the United States. And I was 23 at the time. That's how I arrived in the U.S. Wow, that's such a wonderful story. 
especially the part about the x-ray and you just taking on all those patients yourself and then becoming a sonographer. I was only just trained. I had only just come out of school when that happened. What was the ultrasound machine like when you first started scanning? Oh, very primitive. When I started doing the echoencephalograms, as they're called, that was the mainstay of ultrasound at the time. The equipment was just a bit better than a bunch of wires. It was covered up, but it was made by a company by the name of Smith, a different company than Smith, Klein and French. It was Smith of England, and it had a camera mounted on the front of it. And the camera took the picture of the oscilloscope screen. There was very little information on it other than spikes that were the A mode presentation. There was nothing else. There was no B mode, time motion mode. You put the transducer just above the ear of the right side of the patient's head. You had to remember to always be doing it consistently because there was no markings to designate which was the right side of the head or which was the left side of the head. That had to be standardized in your technique. And we put it on the right side first, and we put the sound beam to go across to the opposite side of the head. And the echoes that were displayed were strictly one echo in the center from the midline structures of the brain. And if the brain was under pressure or because of a tumor or a bleed, then the brain was shifted away from that side. So a right-sided mass produced a shift to the left. And we used Polaroid film, the same film that you could buy in the grocery store and use in your own home camera. It was not sophisticated at all. In fact, nobody requested these ultrasounds when I first started to do them. And I started to do them because I was considered the parts of ultrasound or parts of research that nobody considered to be of any use was given to the person who was last hired and least qualified. That's how I qualified to be the person to do the ultrasound at the National Hospital. I did that and the equipment was very simple. Sounds like it was such a difference than what it is now. We've evolved oh. so much from our machines now. Oh, very, very different. Very different. What is your most memorable memory oh. that you have in your career? Apart from, say, the accident of the train overrunning its buffers and causing me to produce more than I had before, I think I would say the creation of the occupation of a, a diagnostic medical sonographer. Not for me personally. Yes, I think it put 10 years on my life, but because of the number of people that have a career today as a result of that career being made available to them, it didn't matter that I was the one that happened to do it. I just happened to be there at the right time but anybody could have and would have done it. This is important step because you can't get government loans to go to school. You couldn't establish something without having created the occupation. 
I would say that was the most exciting and nerve-wracking because I realized that I was in that responsible position. Well, without you being in that responsible position, us as sonographers, myself, all of our peers wouldn't be here doing this career today. So truly, thank you, Joan, for creating our career. Well, somebody would have done it. Now that you're the president of Sound Ergonomics, what advice would you give sonographers listening today on how they can avoid injuries in their career? Well, in short, listen to your body. Don't be in denial. Unfortunately, these problems, you don't wake up one morning and you've never had any discomfort or pain before, but you've now got a full-blown injury. It just doesn't happen. This is something that happens over time, gradually. So you're not listening to your body or you're ignoring what your body is telling you and you don't take action. It's easier just to keep going until you can't go anymore. That's my advice. That's great advice. This last week, we learned that sonographers officially have a National Sonographer Day. It's July 17th to celebrate our field of sonography and it's in honor of you. That's such a special thing for all of us sonographers. We've always had Ultrasound Awareness Month in October, but now July 17th is officially for sonographers in honor of you, Joan Baker. How does that make you feel? Very humbled. It's a pleasure to do it, but I'm not sure I deserved it. You created this for us, Joan. I think you deserved it. It was such an honor for you to be on my podcast today. And thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for inviting me.